0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad and with me as always is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. Now, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, I start the podcast the same in every single episode. It's wild. But I would like to say that Ben and I are a pair of real true automotive journalists and you can find our work all over the internet in fact ben has a bunch of publications that i'm going to tell him to plug right now ben go for it
1: you can find my work at automobile magazine at driving line and Haggerty classic car
0: and what about that banana related publication you write for
1: bananas incorporated
0: monthly quarterly is still trying to get off the ground and you can find my work at autotrader.ca as well as nouveaumagazine.com. And this week,
1: we're going to talk about a pair of very different cars. Isn't that right, Ben? They are extremely different, but that doesn't mean they can't coexist on our podcast side-by-side in, the episode, in a completely yeah. frictionless way. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'm going to talk about the Honda CR-V, which is a very popular um family crossover this is the one that i'm testing this week and i'm going to be comparing it to a bunch of other crossovers uh in the near future so you better be ready to hear a lot about compact crossovers uh for the next at least one other podcast
1: <laughs> or you could just choose to stop listening oh please the don't foreseeable we, need future. Your, we need your listen it's we need the your... only way to avoid crossovers ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
0: uh so the c r v. this is a twenty twenty model, and not much has changed for twenty twenty but it's still really important to talk about the c r v because man in twenty nineteen nearly four hundred thousand of these vehicles were sold so i'm certain there's somebody out there who's listening to the podcast and has a crv or was considering
1: buying a crv because you know, that is an insane amount of number uh, of crvs moved no you're 100 right and uh they, they are so popular and so common i actually just took a look on the podcast i searched through past episodes yeah and in three years we have not talked about the crv holy cow and if we, we even not have if we have i haven't tagged it anywhere what do you think we've been talking about instead i don't know because oh i I know hold
0: on hellcats (laughs) uh jeep wranglers and bmws
1: but (laughs) but i recall having driven a crv i think last year (laughs) Mm -hmm. how did i avoid talking about that on the podcast that that is that is a mystery i'm going to have to get to the bottom of at some point but anyway please continue sammy well
0: i mean it's kind of easy to overlook the crv it's such a it's. I don't want to call it mundane, but it's very mu- mainstream. And I mean, if you're going to talk about a CRV, you need to really find out. Um, well, I need to really find out what it is that people really want to know about it. Is it um, fun to drive? No, not exactly. Is it practical? Very. Is it affordable? Absolutely. Does it have enough power and features? And is it affordable? Yeah, I think it does all of those things really Are you well. you say I-
1: affordable a third time? Just curious. Did I say affordable already? You said that's the fourth time. I think. Affordable? <laughs> you know what my favorite part of the CRV is? <laughs> yeah Back in the day, you used to be able to order a shower right from Honda that would integrate into the back of the CRV. And it came what? with like a tank and you would pump it up, I think, for pressure. And then you could like wash your whatever. Uh What's funny is if you look in the brochures from that era, and I want to say late 90s, early 2000s. the brochure is a guy he they're parked on grass and you can't see his head but what he's doing is he's washing a paintbrush onto the grass with the shower and the paintbrush is all white so and the ground is getting white too so i don't know what's happening in this world of advertising because this is clearly a staged photo no sane human (laughs) being has ever done this like washed paint from a truck onto us onto a lawn but someone at, CR- at at Honda's agency was like we've got the perfect shot to illustrate how useful your shower is.
0: Well, I mean, I'll be honest, that's one really cool feature of past CRVs. My favorite old CRV feature is the embedded table that you could pull out of like the the floorboard of the cargo area in in old models. You could remove and they had legs at the bottom of them and they turned it out to be a table. And I think that's the really coolest. That was a, I think that was a regular feature. I don't think you had to pay extra for there it. There was also a like
1: gold that. edition. Where you I'm sorry, get, a what? It's called the gold gold emblems. You could get okay, um yeah. you could get gold Honda badges, but also a gold exhaust tip. <laughs>
0: oh, of course. That's what we needed.
1: Also, I wanna I want to correct myself on that whole thing I was just telling you about the shower that's thing. Been,
0: it's made up completely. No, I'm
1: looking at it now. Like, I found the image. Uh I knew I had it somewhere in my hard drive because nothing ever leaves my hard drive. And the it looks like I can't tell whether he's washing a paintbrush or whether that's the tip, like that's the the um, edge end of the shower, what do you call it? The implement, the showerhead, whether that's the showerhead, Because it's like a weird curved metal thing if it is the shower head. Anyway, uh, it'll, <laughs> it's a an mystery, I guess. <laughs> so um, I'll admit, <clears throat> the new CRV doesn't have anything
0: nearly as interesting as a table embedded in the uh, cargo area or a shower head that you can order. Um, but it is a very easy car to live with. It's, like I said, it's very practical. It has a ton of space. And it's not just space like cargo space, but there's a lot of at-hand storage. There's lots of pockets, there's little cubbies, there's places that like slide and shift and turn into extra big storage areas. And I love that you know, like Hondas in particular, um, you know, we know this with the Honda Fit and the HRV. v they have those uh, magic seats that flip upwards to make them even more practical. I feel like Honda really emphasizes this kind of practicality in their cars. And I can tell that's probably one of the main reasons Nearly 400,000 of these were sold last year. It's just – it's so easy to find a place for your stuff in this car.
1: You, you know, it's kind of weird. A couple, couple of things, what you just said made me think. Uh, does Honda think American families just stopped eating and that's why the table was no longer included in the car? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, I and think – with With more room in the car – wouldn't there be more room for the table, or maybe two tables, or maybe, like, one really big table?
0: <laughs> yeah, like a like an extending table for bigger families.
1: Yeah, um, or a solid I, crystal table.
0: I I'm, I truly miss the table, I, and I think they, first of all, I think the table was not very heavy. I think when you set it up outside, and if a draft came, it would fly away. I, I think that was the number the one gold concern. gold package table <laughs> yeah, that was
1: weighted it, down with 24-carat gold plating.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is there any that was a question. It wasn't. It
1: wasn't. A, I wasn't pausing for the rest of that thought. That was the whole thought.
0: Well, I figure that would be very expensive. I'm sure people who CR, CRV owners who splurged on the 24 karat um, plated table would not want their their to expose all that to the elements. You know, like that's the that's the highlight of that package. You know, mm. you got to keep it clean. Okay, and that's not easy. No. Uh, under the hood of this CRV is a 1.5-liter turbocharged engine that I believe makes 180 horsepower. Let me double – 190 horsepower. Ooh, surprised me with that. And 180 pound – 179 pound-feet of torque. I'm getting my numbers all wrong, Ben. You just like numbers. I think you just like saying numbers. I think apparently I just love the number 180. I'm going to do a 180 on that. Wow. Uh, so 190 horsepower, 179 – pound-feet of torque. It's paired to a CVT, which feels exactly like a soulless CVT that you would expect. Um, but it's very fuel-efficient. Uh, I'm already getting um, really solid fuel economy numbers. I would say easily this thing gets about 30 miles per gallon combined uh, without like trying. I think that's one of the most impressive things about the fuel efficiency of this um, CR-V. And all in, including destination, this car costs under $36,000, which I think is a pretty solid um price and so i'll
1: thousand us for your trim level right
0: yeah that's okay. a touring all-wheel drive
1: is that the top trim level
0: yeah and still no table it's still no table what about or the both. base model
1: how much does the base model cost and does the base model have the same engine i think all crvs have the same engine right
0: yeah this is new for 2020 all models get the same engine now and okay. the base model with the destination is twenty six thousand one hundred forty
1: five. so ten thousand dollars spread between the base and the top is really not that bad no it's not bad so the equipment
0: that my car comes with um, that I was really surprised with, it has a wireless phone charger. It has a number of uh, USB plugs. It has Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, which uh, listener, long-time listeners will know I like, Ben doesn't. Isn't that right, Ben? You I just
1: to- don't use it. I mean, I prefer to have the car's functionality, and then I just put my phone on a hands-free mount, and then I have my phone's functionality. And it seems to work. I mean, I haven't really had any issues.
0: Uh, how do you wirelessly charge your phone in that situation
1: why would I my phone doesn't have wireless charging? Oh, no. and why would I wirelessly charge my phone anyway for the charging you trust that what do you mean? You trust that bro that wireless power could be coming from anywhere you don't know at least with the it, cable you can see where it's coming from'm <laughs> what, are you, what are, you, are you concerned about stray electrons I'm not concerned about it because I don't do it. Uh, Should I be concerned about stray electrons? You live your life however you want to live it, man. I'm not going to tell you what you need to worry about, but I'm just saying, can you trust it?
0: I'm really nervous about these stray electrons while I'm charging my phone. Yeah, maybe
1: you should be. And neutrinos, you ever think about neutrinos? No, not till now. Exactly. What should I be be thinking about? I'm just saying that the world is, is bigger than wireless charging.
0: And the CRV also comes with um, all of those safety features that you can – in fact, it's standard now. Uh, adaptive cruise control, lane-keeping assist, blind spot monitoring, and it doesn't even come with that annoying lane watch. It's, uh, it's standard
1: on even the base?
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's called Honda Sensing, which is a great name for <laughs>
1: – Every one of these packages <laughs> – Exactly. <laughs> every one of these packages has the word sense in it somewhere, yeah. pro or pilot. Those are the three things. Sometimes protect, but I think protect is falling out of favor because uh, I think the lawyers looked at protect and they were like, "Well, we can't say that."
0: (laughs) (laughs) So tell me what you would name your all-encompassing safety suite. It would be called
1: Vault. Vault. Honda Vault. And you get in, and like in the event of an accident, steel. You know, like blast doors drop down in front of all the glass made of Mm -hmm. steel. And the car's wheels, they, they, they suck up underneath, and it becomes basically an impregnable fortress. Yeah, that's yeah. what you want. I'm not saying that's what I want. I'm saying that's what it would be called. Vault. Yeah.
0: Is it an acronym? V-A-U-L-T?
1: No, I mean, it's not that clever. It's really something I just came up with 30 seconds ago.
0: <laughs> it should be an acronym. We'll, we'll figure it out for next week. Um, there was an
1: acronym, it would be something like Honda SPIN. S-P-I-N. Stable protection for um in, inver- in I I intermittent I, of, I want to talk about while we're talking about acronyms, this is a total um this is tangent a, or parallel a to total what we're tangent. About. Okay. So Subaru released a a concept. The to- to- Tokyo Auto Salon is happening right now. And for those right. of you who aren't familiar, Tokyo Auto Salon is a it's not really a OEM car show, it's an aftermarket show in Japan, but the OEMs participate. And uh, there's another I show. First of happening. All,
0: I love that because it always shows like uh, the automakers trying to be like creative.
1: Yeah, and and for some reason, at the mm-hmm. same time as the Tokyo Motor Salon, Tokyo Auto Salon, sorry, Singapore is having an auto show at the same time. Okay, so you have these two competing auto shows, and I guess <laughs> uh, Subaru wanted to catch attention in in Singapore because they created a vehicle. Called the Forester Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition.
0: Uh
1: the what? The Forester Ultimate Ultimate Customized Kit Special Edition.
0: F-U-C-K
1: S. And uh if you look <laughs> at the vehicle, yeah. it's on a dais. And in front of the vehicle, written on the ground, it says what I just said, and the first word, letter of every word is capitalized yeah. and b- bolded. So it's not an accident. <laughs> and the, uh, the weirder part of it is if you look at some of the other stuff in the same Subaru booth, they have this weird... Oh, I think I get it now. If you, it, it, there, There's a, a weird percentage thing, like 85%, 61% on the yeah. – it, it looks like it's on the announcement for the Forrester Ultimate Customized Kids Special Edition. Right. But it's actually just transparent and it's in the background, so. Okay. But uh, anyway, so go back to the, the – that the, I would not call my system this.
0: You wouldn't call it the, uh, the ultimate care? It's, it's
1: odd because Singapore is a former Commonwealth colony. And it has a strong heritage of the English language. So mm-hmm. I'm a little confused as to how this happened.
0: I mean, they wanted to make uh, a buzz. They've, they've got us talking well, about they got it. it yeah, exactly they, got, they, they,
1: they were like, you know what? We need to get Unnamed Automotive podcasts on this thing because that's going to move the two or three cars we sell in Singapore every year.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, well, look. There's two ways to get on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. One, talk about bees, okay? The, the if, bee? if
1: it's about bees, we're definitely going to be covering you. Two, robots. be covered in bees, though robots okay that's the other one three titillating acronyms
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh great four is uh four
1: is offensive photos of sammy that he doesn't know
0: exist oh there's plenty of those and i will never know that they exist um, what else can I tell you about the crv i i'm really uh there's there is no reason if you're in the market for a crV I find very few reasons for people to um, walk away from this if they don't like the styling or if they don't like the uh, interior design uh, maybe that will will push them away It's not the most attractive it's not the most enticing vehicle and but it just does what you want a compact crossover to do and it now it comes with a ton of features like i said um honda sensing and uh that infotainment system it has wireless charging it has a heated steering wheel it has now nine speakers for its sound system which is one more than before
1: does it have any speakers outside of the vehicle like um yeah uh, like you know you can get them with jeep now the, the i think every jeep suv comes with either a speaker built into the tailgate or like a portable speaker that's a bluetooth thing that like plugs into the car and then it charges and you can pull it out no. What about it any... Does. Are there any screens on the outside of the vehicle? Screens on the outside of the vehicle? Like yeah. where? Like under the gas cap, maybe?
0: Um, as far as I know, no, why would there be a screen
1: on the ga- in the gas cap? It's called the Honda Gas Vision. Gas, gas, gas watch? Gas watch. Gas watch. And it has two features. The first feature is it gives you gas prices in real time to let you know that you could have gotten a better deal somewhere else while you're filling Get up. You've got them already filling up. Yeah, you're already filling It only activates as soon as you put the, the gas nozzle in. Mm-hmm. And then it's like scanning GPS and it finds better deals. Yeah, uh, And then it flashes the best deal at you until you're done. And then it does a differential <laughs> to show you what you would have saved. Of course. It's an impressive piece of technology. Helpful, um, the of other feature is it shows you the view from the other side of the vehicle. <laughs> so you can know... Directly what across from the directly across. So you could know what it was like if you were filling the car from the opposite side. Oh, of
0: course. Very helpful. I'm always, I'm, I'm always curious, you know? And with cars getting as big as they are, I can't usually just look over the hood or the, the, the roof. No, and it's
1: much more difficult.
0: It's so difficult. You have to get on your tippy toes.
1: I don't so, think that, that shower didn't have a screen, which is kind of disappointing.
0: Of course it wouldn't have a screen. Wait. No, that would make sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, I can think of a couple of reasons why you wouldn't get the CRV. Okay, um, one of them is the Rav Four. You like the Rav Four more? I I'm not saying I like it more, but I'm saying it's it's as compelling, and in hybrid form, I think more compelling.
0: Of course, uh, and the CRV has just been announced with a hybrid version. This happened in the LA Auto Show. I haven't yet um, driven one or even seen one on the road yet, so I'm not sure that they're it's actually real. Maybe it was just a terrible dream I've had. Um, but I would say that probably Toyota's experience with hybrids would probably suggest that the um, RAV4 would be a little bit more um, refined. And I also actually really prefer the design of the RAV4. And I also think you and I have talked in the past that the Forester is one of the best deals in this segment. Yeah. Um, but, it,
1: but the Forester has that AI robot watching at all times, which the CRV right. doesn't have, which makes me hesitant to recommend it to people who don't want to support the AI robot uprising.
0: But also easy to recommend to those who do want to support the robot uprising.
1: I that's true. I mean if you're if you're anti if you're against the team John Connor, then um by all means buy a Forester. Forester. No problem. Yeah. Problem solved. Right? Although I will say that in most of the Terminator movies, there has been a Toyota pickup of some kind. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So riddle me that. I
0: will. In Later.
1: fact, remember we talked we talked about it in the past, but for Terminator three they even made a special edition. Tundra. Uh, Tundra. Yeah, the T3, T3 edition. Th- yeah. yeah. It was black and it had T3 on the outside and that was pretty much it. <laughs> but it was more expensive. It would have been cool if you bought the T3 if it like, it, gave, it, it came with like, back then it would have been a, a DVD of like Arnold Schwarzenegger giving you some type of greeting. Like, thank you for for buying this vehicle. I I, I personally earned 3% of the gross of the MSRP of this vehicle. And so that's why he did it. <laughs> You it's not personalized. He, you think he would have
0: a video – I mean he would have a recording that thanked people for giving him the 3% uh, per, like uh, commission?
1: It's very specific, yeah. I don't think he would do that. He's filled with gratitude towards what America as a country has done for him in his career. Do you, do you think he talks about money all the time? I, all the time. This is like one DVD that doesn't even exist. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay um there's also the rogue speaking of uh vehicles with vehicles with movie tie-ins which you can get that rogue one edition uh special edition i would i wouldn't recommend
1: that no i think the crv is on another level from the rogue i think the rogue is fine if you're on a tight budget and there's nothing wrong with that and it'll do what you need to get done but i think the crv is just better put together
0: uh and then there's the new escape which i'm going to be testing next week um which I'm looking forward to driving. And then there was a car that you drove recently, which was the Mazda CX five, which comes with um a couple of powertrains. Which Yeah,
1: I drove the diesel one and, and we talked about how that wasn't a great value.
0: But the turbo is great. Okay. Yeah. Um so those are that's the quick roundup of the CRV and its competition. I'm sorry that I didn't really give the strongest uh, feedback about the vehicle, but honestly, it's so difficult. This car does so many things for so many different people, and for those looking for a family crossover, the CRV, the RAV4, the Forester are probably among the top uh, in that segment, and the CX-5 is very close. So I'm looking forward to driving the Escape to see how it ranks in this. I'm very um, curious about
1: the Escape, too. because it's, In it's, this segment? You know, the Escape's one of those vehicles that seems to always be either a, a strong contender... Or kind of lagging behind, like it. Absolutely. It, 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 it's I, what's the word for that? It would be like a slingshots back and forth. And I don't know whether that's just because Ford's development cycle is maybe longer or a little bit out of sync with the rest of the industry, mm-hmm. but um, it's it 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 never really seems to be mediocre. It always seems to be either like really great, Ford's really put a lot of effort into it, or a vehicle that's kind of outclassed in every way and is just waiting for a redesign. And I, I guess we'll talk about
0: this uh, in the coming weeks, but the design of this new Escape really doesn't do it for me. It looks a little awkward to me. It looks maybe like a, a giant um, Focus. And I haven't
1: seen it yet, but, I mean, giant Focus kind of describes a lot of what's coming out of Ford in <laughs> that true. particular uh, – in, in the compact and sub subcompact segments.
0: Yeah, actually, is not tough. I mean, if you looked at the Escape, the CRV, the Tucson, and the Sportage – You'd probably see this. You, you probably wouldn't know that you're
1: looking at different cars, right? No. <laughs> but Not I great. mean, it doesn't, does it really matter? <laughs> like people pe- – how many people in this segment are buying for style? I don't think very many. I think this is a very task-focused segment.
0: So that's, that's what makes it so difficult to purchase in. If these cars are, look so similar and they have a lot of the similar specs, right, in terms of space and features, what are you buying?
1: Right. I think it's sometimes you're buying uh, personally, and this is something that uh, car companies don't like to talk about. Mm-hmm. But you're buying a dealership experience. Yep, you're buying a relationship that you maybe already have with a, a sales team, or if not a sales team, then a, a, a parts parts manager or a service manager. You know, people that you that you've dealt with over the years. And I think that that's interesting because it cuts two ways. You'll end up with a, a, someone, uh, and I've seen this firsthand, who will buy a vehicle that's perhaps not the best fit for their needs or not as competitive Mm -hmm. as it could be because Mm -hmm. they like the dealership
0: absolutely and the dealership treated them like with respect and and allowed them to take a look in at their cars in a a very easygoing manner if you go to other if you go to other dealerships which feel high pressure or you know maybe uninterested in you or, or don't think you're a serious buyer or really like treat you like you're like you don't belong um you might not be interested in in purchasing from them
1: and it's not even always about the initial sales experience sometimes it's about True. the ownership experience after you've bought the car and that makes a big difference too uh but i mean so then when we there's also
0: the the reception and uh reputation that comes with these vehicles I yeah mean, and, now and warranty to, you know warranty is yeah.
1: a big thing and reliability uh You and I, we get to drive these cars when they're brand new. We don't have to deal with them when they break down. I mean, they do break down from time to time when we're driving them, but we get taken care of. It's not, we don't have to go to a dealership and wait and wait and wait, and then have a service advisor tell us they don't know what the problem is. <laughs> and then, you know, you're out, you're, you don't have your ride, you've wasted half an afternoon, all that kind of stuff. Th- these are things that add up in the real world. And um, it's it's sadly a part of the business that as a journalist, I don't get to experience unless I go and talk to owners specifically. And a lot yeah. of the time when you talk to owners specifically, you know, people are very happy to tell you about their bad experiences, but not necessarily so forthcoming with their good experience. It doesn't register the same way. Now, while we're talking about the CRV
0: and ownership experience, I've heard a lot of people discussing this 1.5 turbo and its oil consumption um, issues um, or oil dilution issues, which have um, caused a lot of significant problems for owners who needed to either get um, some sort of software fix, I believe, or a hardware fix. And that really impacted their fuel efficiency. I know another journalist, um, uh, Evan Williams, who has a Civic with this motor, who said that it did impact his fuel efficiency negatively, and so that's something you should keep in mind when you're taking a look at the new CRVs. Um, that apparently, you know, they haven't been completely refined and smoothed out just yet with this 1.5 turbo, which is now standard in all. It's not just standard; it's the only powertrain, uh, save for the the hybrid. So and, that's uh, something you should you should definitely keep uh, an eye on.
1: For sure, and a great way to you know, if you're researching a new car purchase. It's harder to do if the vehicle just came out this year, but online forums are a great way to find out ownership experiences because they're filled with people who have problems, who are, trying yeah. to, who are asking for help. Um, forums and Facebook groups.
0: And subreddits. Uh, I, I actually really love that because more often than not, you go to one of these forums and it's nothing but problems and you're going to immediately assume that this is the most problematic car yeah, um, out there. That's not I don't think that's a true representation. I think they're just the people who are looking for help. Yeah, because
1: because happy CRV owners do not join forums.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they join right.
1: like dog related forums and like soccer related forums and Yeah, be,
0: well, not, maybe not soccer because they don't have the table anymore.
1: Wait, what? Yeah, the table
0: so they can put the orange the orange slices in. That
1: is a that is a reach. That is a big reach. I was going to say they don't join shower related <laughs> groups i've noticed in my what about gold related groups? in my shower related groups i've noticed a real drop in crv owners (laughs) um great so that's that was our take on the crv
0: ben you've got a you've got another car that we should talk about
1: um what is it again i I spent the last two weeks with the 2020 bmw 8 m850i grand coupe sammy say it again the 2020 BMW M850i Grand Coupe X-Drive, I guess is what I should <laughs> Can have. Can you add more?
0: Any additional? Is no, there, a, is the there another no, name? That's is the full there...
1: nomenclature. That's everything. Uh, Can we just call this the
0: 8 Series Grand Coupe or the 8 Grand Coupe? Or what are we going to call this thing? How do we make it easy to talk about this?
1: I think we'll find a way. I think we'll M850 Grand Coupe m M850i, Sammy. I, uh. So uh, by, by now, at this point, I've driven every iteration of the 8 Series body style-wise, but mm-hmm. I've not driven the base models. So there's there's an 840i that's available yep. for all of the cars, I believe, and that has the 3-liter straight-six turbocharged engine, which is a great engine. But the one I drove has the twin-turbo tw- twin uh, V8, 523 right. horsepower. It's all-wheel drive. Yeah, it's a great engine, all-wheel drive with the 8-speed automatic. And uh, the 8 Series Grand Coupe is interesting because it replaces a car that I didn't like all that much. Um, I didn't really like a lot of things about the 6 Series. Oh, yeah. Okay. The 6 Series. Uh, So the 6 Series is gone now. And the 8 Series has taken over. And I know that's a little confusing from a branding perspective. And I don't quite get it. Although, I think BMW... It, it, structurally, it gives them another gap to fill in the niche of personal luxury if they want to push another car between the five and the seven. But mm-hmm. um, the eight series, it just it's just better executed than the six series. If you're looking at the coupe, if you're looking at the convertible, and with the grand coupe, um, mm-hmm. it's actually it's it's considerably longer than the the two door bo- models. Really? Um, that, yeah.
0: it's that significant. Okay, it's
1: nine inches longer overall, Ooh. and the wheelbase makes up almost eight inches of that. So wow. this is not the kind of—the 6 Series in the back seat. the Grand Coupe, was not super accommodating. I remember having my head brush against the roof. I don't know if you noticed that, Sammy, when you rode in it. But I'm not a very tall guy, uh, so that was kind of off-putting. In the 8 Series, it's no longer an issue. Uh, I transported—I had the vehicle over the holidays, so I was transporting family, and uh, we were all adults— and everyone was able to fit into the car without any issues it's it, even though it's a two plus two, it has that center console in the back.
0: okay, so the questions I have is, do you think the car the car is taller or does this does do the seats sit a little bit lower like what's giving that because honestly the eight series is actually a pretty sleek vehicle. I'm curious to see how you think they've managed that uh, headspace um, in in what looks like a coupe,
1: right It is a little bit taller. I think it's 2.2 inches taller uh, overall. I'm I'm having trouble because a lot of the stuff, when I find um, comparators for this vehicle, it's hard to tell whether they're talking about the 6 Series, whether they're talking about the Coupe, or whether they're talking about the original 8 Series (laughs) when they're comparing numbers. But it is is a little bit taller than the Coupe from my perspective.
0: Okay. And now... Uh the dri- I'm sure the driving experience um that motor is is, is front fu- forefront is at the forefront of the driving experience. It's a well, great engine. BMW shouldn't be hiding it, right? What well, why would what do you mean by hiding it? I mean it it shouldn't over that engine should be shouldn't be overshadowed by any part of the, any other part of the car.
1: Oh, oh, no, definitely not. I mean uh the the engine is uh, the the engine itself um the car does 60 in under 4 seconds. Holy right moly. around, it's okay. like 3.8 or something. I think that's um, way better than I thought it would be. Holy moly! That's yeah, it's super it's, fast. It's nuts. The coupe, the coupe is 3.3 seconds, and it's yeah. super heavy. And the Grand Coupe is even heavier. So mm-hmm. it's amazing that it's that fast. Uh, but um, even the six-cylinder model does does it in under five. Okay. So I, I'm 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 very impressed with the. I drove the car about 1,200 miles on uh, largely highway driving. And it was just – it was extremely comfortable. It was quick and able to pass when I wanted it to, obviously. Um, it, the, the cabin felt quiet, comfortable. I, I realize you just said that twice. But uh, it was just a calm experience the whole time. And something that was really interesting, Sammy, is I, – I, we talked about this over the holidays. The vehicle that I had came with the full advanced um, driver assist package that comes with right. BMW. And, and I've mentioned this, that this is, it's
0: really advanced now.
1: Oh, yeah. So there's, there's three levels of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is all great if you, in a variety of situations. So for me, I primarily used it on the highway. I use the adaptive cruise control just because it's easier in traffic to, you know, if you run into traffic, it'll slow you down. It'll bring you to a halt. It'll get you driving again. But if you're below a certain speed and that speed is 40 miles an hour, you Mm -hmm. can add enhanced driving assistance. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it'll steer the vehicle for you. Not only will it steer it, but you don't even have to have your hands on the wheel, Sammy, which is-
0: Yeah. That's next level. Like, it really is.
1: It's interesting because when you think about semi-self-driving cars like this, Mm -hmm. interface design is really important. And the way the eighth Series works is there's multiple ways for the multiple modes of the car when it's driving itself. Yeah. It's not necessarily clear which one you're in. They do a good job of telling you which one you're in. But if you were to just look at the dash, it's...
0: It just looks like it's in cruise control or lane keeping. Kind or of, because right?
1: the lane keeping assist will work at high speed, like on the highway. It'll keep you centered in the lane, but you have to keep your hands on. In yeah. The advanced one, when you're doing going very slow, and it will prompt you if you slow down and it detects you're in traffic. It says you can now access advanced. Do you want to do it? And if you hit, it does that to you. It does. It puts it on the dash. Oh, it just it, puts it on the dash. Well, it doesn't read you, it out. Well, oh, oh, so that's that's the you're like no 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 deal. No, it I'm has to read it to it, me. No. What kind of an accent does it have to have when it reads it to you? Uh, Just no accent? A computer accent? A computer accent? That's racist. (laughs) So uh, it it tells you, and there's lights on the steering wheel, too. Yeah, the lights. Yeah, they're green and yellow. Green and yellow.
0: Yeah, sorry, the yellow and green. Yes, I've seen that before.
1: So when you're on the highway at high speed and you take your hands off the wheel, or it thinks you have your hands off the wheel, because sometimes it can't tell, because I guess I have a weak. Uh, very weak A grip. <laughs> yeah. A limp, weak grip. It'll yeah. flash yellow on the steering wheel and be like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta do your job." But if grip it's, at, it. If it's <laughs> grip it, if it's under forty forty miles an hour, the lights stay green, and you can just put your hands in your lap, and it, it, you have to watch the road or elsewhere. I'm sorry, or somewhere else. I guess so. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Um, on your I your head? I could, maybe. I guess I could be knitting. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, that's dangerous. It, it, tries an to, well, it tries to take, keep track of your, whether you're paying attention or not. So and By you, asking
0: th- you skill testing questions at all times.
1: Yeah, they're really hard. It's like most of it's math, but some of it's geography. And I did not always get it right. And then it shocks you. It yeah. shocks you through the seat. Uh, but no, if, if it thinks you're not paying attention, it will you know, flash in front of you and say, hey, keep your eyes on the road, which is kind of weird. But this is a really long-winded way to say there's three specific driving modes for the car. They're not particularly well demarcated, but they are demarcated. Mm -hmm. And this is there's no standards for this yet. And it's very interesting to see how different car companies handle this.
0: Right. Does this remind you of like when uh, cars first starting to try to figure out their control schemes and stuff like that? Like remember when we had um, um, headlights on the floor?
1: Yeah. Like, Mike, I had that in the 80s. Uh, trucks yeah, that I own nonsense. In the nonsense. Yeah. Why is it nonsense? I'm just saying.
0: Or, or you know, gear sticks on, in, in different places. Actually, we're getting – we're still not there with gear sticks.
1: Some yeah, I'm not too worried about it. headlights and gear sticks as I am with, you know, is the car driving itself or not. <laughs>
0: it's like <laughs> – um, The other thing is I remember – I think I, I, I have to try to recall this, but I think there are times when you look at the display and it looks like lane keeping is on because it, like, outlines the lane. Okay, it's Um, cooler
1: than that, Sammy. And you know how I don't like these technologies, right? Yeah. But BMW's implementation is pretty slick. It shows you the car centered in your lane. It shows you the lane on either side, if there is a lane on either side. Right. As soon as it detects a vehicle, it puts a graphic of that vehicle in its position relating to your car, whether it's ahead or behind you. I do like that. It can tell you whether it's a truck or a car based on its size. Okay, so... this is
0: interesting because I think I mentioned this before. It can tell you if there's a car in front of you with another vehicle. I can't remember what this was. And so basically this is to let you know that it sees what you see and you should, be okay, you should not be worried about uh, is that why the, it's
1: doing it? I think so. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good idea. I didn't even think about the fact that it was subtly psychologically soothing me. Yeah, uh, it is
0: for sure. Your anti-robot agenda—it's—it's it's addressing
1: it. It's true. Listen to me talking so positively, man. <clears throat> well, you know why? Because it's not. There's no AI. There's no AI that's like trying not to be that my friend. Not that you know Did you say, hey, BMW at any time? Oh my goodness. You don't even have to say, hey, BMW. You just have to say something that sort of sounds like you said, hey, BMW. And <laughs> all of a sudden, <laughs> your infotainment system blinks off and it's like, how can I help you? And I'm like, you could help me by just being a car and not trying to talk to me.
0: So, you know, you're on a road trip and you see an A&W and it's like, hey, did you say my name? Not wh-
1: What? <laughs> the restaurant A&W. Oh, no, I would never eat there. Oh okay. But uh I it just uh, the <laughs> most the most random phrases would seem to trigger it. The other thing that was annoying is my partner, I mm. don't know how she figured this out, but a certain hand gesture would mute the stereo. <laughs> oh yeah. And I don't know what it is. I think you make a fist and then you open the fist with your fingers splayed <laughs> towards the screen. And we would be talking and she would be gesturing and all of a sudden the music would cut out and I would lose my mind because music's important, right? And I would be panicking and then I wouldn't know what was happening. And then the the car would be like, Benjamin, what's wrong? And I'd be like, you know what's wrong. You've always known what's wrong. And then it would get really, really personal.
0: Yeah. And in in front of your partner as well.
1: I know, which is awkward. I mean, we've been together a fair amount of time now, but still baby steps emotionally with that that kind of conversation. How much did this crazy car cost? Yeah, it was 120000 120000 Oh my yeah. goodness. And, and I it knows all your secrets already. It knows all my secrets. Well, most of my secrets. And uh, I would say, honestly, if you were looking at a 7 Series, but you want to fly a little bit more under the radar, or you want something that doesn't look like a bank vault, this mm-hmm. is kind of... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Honda Vault. Honda I'm vault. talking about like just very... It has a sleeker styling than maybe what you would get in a 7 Series. This is a great alternative. I, I think that, in a way, the 6 Series Grand Coupe was not an alternative to the 7. I think it was more of a compliment to the 5 Series. I think that this is a much better car for anyone who doesn't want to feel all stuffy, but wants to have maximum luxury, crazy performance, and a, a really impressive size. I mean, this, this car commands attention.
0: I... I was curious about um, that point. That's a very weird um, description of it because I don't see the seven and the eight series I like as com- like equals. You know what I mean? How come? I just I've always thought the seven series is that executive flag- flagship sedan. Yes. And the eight series grand coupe. I didn't quite. I don't quite see it as that. I saw it as a sports car tr- Wait, what, uh, or a coupe, a, a grand tourer trying to. Um, be a little bit more stylish.
1: It's only been out for a couple of months. That's a very, very strong opinion. Well, that's how I felt about the six series uh, Grand Coupe, and I absolutely ah, this is what I'm saying. I'm just saying design wise, I'm I'm saying. saying this car is significantly different from the six series Grand Coupe. I feel like this this car is what the six should have been, and I don't know why BMW wasn't able to pull it off. Wow. I mean, the only okay. 6 Series I really enjoyed was the 640 GT. <laughs> which <laughs> which is, a, is no longer available no, anymore. this is a perennial favorite of the show, and we've done a few episodes about, the, the honestly, one of the weirdest and most practical cars that BMW has ever built. Um, but aside from that, the, the rest of the 6 Series just wasn't that impressive. Um,
0: I'm... I really do like the eight series. It really presents BMW um, in the in the best way right now. Mainly because I think the the design is strong. This is the one of the few BMWs that I think the design really, really come like is is good. And I think that's something that's hard to say about all their other vehicles. The grille doesn't look too obnoxious. The, the, the profile is very sleek. The interior is really cool. Although, I need to ask you if your car, as usual with any other BMW, did it have an incredible amount of gimmicky features?
1: There was so much crystal inside this car. I had oh. the, I can't remember the exact name of the package. Are I'm we just, over it yet? What do you mean by over it? Are do we, we mean- over the gimmicks? <laughs> it's called glass controls, and it costs $650, and you absolutely do not need to buy it. I, what, is, what is it? What will there be instead of these controls? If I didn't pick this
0: option, You what get a there?
1: normal shifter that's not transparent and which will not reflect the sun directly into your eyes at any given time. If you have the sunroof open, that is the function of the glass controls. <laughs> so if you're going to get the glass controls, don't get the sunroof. I don't think right? you can. I don't think you cannot get the sunroof. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some form of sunroof comes with the car. I don't know if you get the one in the back and the one in the front mm-hmm. uh, with all the pa- – because there's a lot of – pack. my car had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight packages. I mean including glass controls, including the Bowers and Wilkins stereo. Oh, I have something controversial to say about that stereo system. Okay, Not here that we go. great.
0: <laughs> I would t- – I'm starting to agree with you. I'm starting to notice that the Harman Kardon systems are feeling and sounding a little bit stronger. Yeah, um, so I, the-
1: I've driven I've driven some BMWs recently with the bass sound system that yeah. outperformed the Bowers and Wilkins, and mm-hmm. certainly not thirty four hundred dollars great.
0: Whoa, okay.
1: <laughs> that is the that was the most expensive uh, option on my vehicle. I mean, that okay. was more expensive than both. Oh, yeah, actually, more expensive than both the driving assistance packages combined.
0: <laughs> okay, so we know where your money should go if you are buying. Yeah,
1: one. yeah, yeah. Definitely get the self driving stuff. Don't don't go for the Bowers and Wilkins. It's just, I mean. I turn off the surround sound feature because it's a gimmick and none of the music you're listening to is mixed in surround sound, so don't bother. Okay. And that might – maybe if you listen in surround sound because you're super into that kind of thing, it might I be am. worth it. But I, I, I don't know who you are if you're that person. And I'm
0: definitely that person. I like making it feel like there's um, a band behind me in the in the rear seats, even if my car doesn't have rear seats. And I'm like, who's behind me? Oh, no one. Just the band.
1: That's why you like the AI, the AI so much in the Subaru, right? Because exactly. you're not alone. It reminds me I'm not alone.
0: Um did it have the wild key, the ginormous key with the screen on it?
1: It had the ginormous key, yeah. And uh again, Did you lose not, it? No, I didn't lose it, but I'm not a big fan of it because you can't put a keychain on it. So it's huge. It is huge. Um it was bulging in my pocket the entire two weeks, very awkward. Uh I you know <laughs> bulging. I, I didn't use any of its special features. Yeah. Um, except for the auto start, but the auto start again. <laughs> BMW has decided that if you push the lock button three times on most modern BMWs, it will auto start your car. Oh. So if you're like me, and I said this on past podcasts, and you nervously auto lock over and over while you're walking away from a car, you're going to start it. And I've done that many times on an eight series, not just the Grand Coupe. <laughs>
0: great, great for that eight cylinder, that ter- twin turbo eight cylinder to fire up for a moment, right?
1: Yeah. Well, at least you notice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, while we're done talking about these two vehicles that we had to test, we wanted to talk about, um, a new topic, a topic brought to us by one of our listeners. This is from Blake Swan. Why don't you, uh, read out these, these questions for me, Ben?
1: Well, Blake is curious about Nissan, and I think we kind of didn't talk about this last week when the story first broke, but Carlos Ghosn has gone completely commando, Mm -hmm. and he, uh, For those of you who aren't familiar, he was the CEO of Nissan. He was arrested in Japan because they suspected him of embezzling in the form of unaccounted expenses. And it was in the millions of dollars. They put him in Japanese prison and he claimed that the legal system in Japan is biased towards guilt like there's no necessarily there's not this according to his legal argument there's not necessarily the presumption of innocence so he felt like he was kind of treading water stuck there he was denied he had something like 14 million dollars in bail which i think Jeez. his wife posted uh and that allowed him to i think get visits from the outside he was he was quite isolated for a long time anyway all of this to say that after an extended period in custody he appeared in lebanon sammy yeah (laughs) (laughs) so he escaped the country apparently he hid inside some kind of i don't know casing of a musical instrument and there were a whole bunch of quote-unquote rogue employees at a private jet company who flew him out of the country and uh, the japanese passport control people were like well we don't really look at faces (laughs) Huh. <laughs> we just we just look at the passport. They actually said something like that. And uh, his wife orchestrated it all. So now there's a Interpol red notice for Carlos's arrest. Oh and an Interpol, I don't know if it's an Interpol notice, but Japan has issued an arrest warrant for his wife's arrest. And he gave an absolutely wild press conference this week.
0: I, I just, didn't watch this press conference because CES was going on. And I was trying to see what kind of weird and wacky new gadget uh, I'll be buying this year.
1: Oh, um, it was he—he he live. There was live coverage from Financial Times where they were live blogging it as it was happening. Yeah, yeah. And he was just—he was just going for it, man. He—he. Um, he, in any case, it's a really bad scene. He <laughs> Lebanon says he entered the country legally. He has like three passports minimum. His yeah. lawyer was supposed to have all of them. <laughs> and his lawyer was like, I don't know how he left the country. I have all his passports. Anyway, uh, oh, it's sick. it was – he he used terms like, I was brutally taken from my world. He greeted the audience at the press conference in English, French, and Arabic, which is pretty impressive. That's cool. And he said he would answer questions in all three languages. Uh, he claimed his family was under threat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's wild. It's It's a modern-day – I mean, it is a
0: very modern, dramatic story that we probably, you know, sometimes we think that the industry can be like in terms of the the heads on top of each company are a little bit static um, and maybe they stick to a, a storyline every once in a while that that seems really um, mundane, really boring, really expected. But for what just happened really caught a lot of people off guard um, and the scale in which um, he was prosecuted and um and how quickly Nissan wanted to, to do something and Japan wanted to do something about him seemed um, unprecedented because in the past, he's been claimed as sort of a hero to the company. There's comic books on him and stuff like that. So <laughs> I, was, I was so intrigued as to how quickly things can turn. Um, and uh, it seems like, I don't know, where is Nissan right now? I think it's the real question that Blake wants to know. Can, can the company go bankrupt is Renault the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi no um, line still important to them? Um, and, and what could be next for the automaker? What Do you, do you have anything you want to add to this, uh, to this well, subject?
1: I, I just, you know, when you look at the European auto industry right now, it is extremely mm-hmm. unstable. And I think a lot of those companies are looking towards North America as a piggy bank, as a way to generate sales that they're just not seeing in their home markets. I don't know which alliance is going to be the right alliance uh blake was concerned as to you know could we be seeing nissan go out of business i mean is that something that can happen and it's hard to say no because so many car companies have been either on the brink of bankruptcy been bankrupt or been rescued at the very last second by third-party suitors uh right chrysler's had it happen three times Jeeps had it happen four times, so it's it's. I never say never. I mean, Nissan's a big company, but big companies can disappear.
0: I would say at the time, like currently, um, I would say that Nissan is is pretty safe. I think globally, they are a very strong company in other markets than north than the big ones that we know of, uh, which is North America, Europe, um, and and Japan. I think Nissan succeeds in some other markets that um, seem smaller in comparison, but are just as important. But it's the Renault part that is very um, weird. I can't remember the, how Renault is, is progressing right now in these markets. Um, probably not as strongly as Nissan is. Wait, and Mitsubishi you- as well is another oh. piece of the puzzle that um, I, don't know if they, I don't know if they have the, the legs to stand up um, and, through and- a, a, tu- a, tur- a turbulent time. Right?
1: And even if you look at Nissan in North America, it's very hard to think of a segment where they're leading. I think the Rogue is pretty much their best-selling vehicle. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I would say the Rogue, right? But that's sells, not a sells competitive... Yeah?
1: Well, it sells well, but the profits aren't huge. Like, they're good, mm-hmm. but they're not huge. It, it, Nissan's not a player in the full-size SUV market. They're not a player in full-size pickups. They're not a player in mid-size pickups. They're not a player in... I mean, sedans are shrinking, but the Altima is kind of a you know middle-of-the-road performer. The yep. Sentra has, is not a factor whatsoever in a very small entry-level segment. Mm-hmm. So... It's hard to identify anything, and and Infinity has never been able to crack a profitable niche in North America. So where exactly does Nissan fit in long-term? I mean, the Rogue is good for them, but they can't just have the Rogue. Well, now they
0: have the Rogue, they have the smaller Rogue, which I believe is called the Rogue Sport or the Cash Guy, depending on the market, and they also have the Kicks. And I'm almost certain that they're going to bring another small SUV to market as well. Yeah, I mean, small they're going to go sub- nuts they're... with these with these SUVs, or the the Pathfinder. I think might just get a, a pretty strong refresh.
1: Oh, I I don't know. I mean, the Pathfinder is kind of an also ran, and if you're going to compete in the world of small crossovers, there's not a lot of money there. That's I mean, true. the money's okay, but there's so much competition right. that it's very – they're certainly not – I mean, the Rogue is in arguably the most competitive SUV segment, right, mm-hmm. up against the CRV and the RAV4. And it does reasonably well against those. But I think if you look outside of that, it's hard to see Nissan differentiating themselves. And I think this is a – this is not a knock against Nissan. No. I, I'm trying – this is kind of just my analysis of their products as they are now. And I think that these are not problems they can't – you know, pull themselves out of. The Murano was a very good vehicle when it first came out, but it hasn't mm-hmm. changed significantly in a very long time. Actually, so, both the Murano and the Maxima are
0: these really premium products. But again, I don't know how much money they're making and how much they're selling.
1: And it. no no one in, in the Maxima segment, the full-size semi-premium S, uh, sedans, I mean, no one's buying yeah. those. So right. it's it's tough to be, it's it's great to be good, but you got to be good where people are looking to buy. And I think Nissan can figure this out. I just don't know what their path forward is going to be. Absolutely. So,
0: um if you, dear listener, want to get in touch with us and send us a question, want us to talk about um, whatever it is you're interested in, it's very easy to do that. You can come to our website, which is unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, and there's a contact form there. You just fill that out, and bam, it goes into our inboxes. It's very easy. Uh, additionally, you can send uh, a normal email to Ben. He's benjamin at benjaminhunting.com, or you can reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha like you're laughing H-A And you can find Ben on Instagram He's at Hunting Benjamin
1: And if you want to subscribe to our podcast You can do that on the site Unnamed podcast.com. Uh, We have all tons of buttons, as Sammy likes to call them. Links to your favorite podcatcher. I actually just added a whole bunch today, so there's going to be even more there. And you can also search on any podcast service, almost any podcast service. I think the only one we're not on is Stitcher. So if you want Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that stuff, we're there. You can listen to past episodes either on your favorite podcatcher or on the website itself directly. And occasionally we post photos and links to reviews of vehicles that we've written there. Uh, So... Sammy, what are you going to be driving next uh, next week? What are we going to be talking about?
0: I think I mentioned I'm going to be talking about the Ford Escape and as well as some other compact crossovers um, that it, it squares off against.
1: Okay, and I'm going to be discussing another BMW. How about that? It is the 2020 BMW M550.
0: Okay, here we go. So I'm looking forward to that. Ben, I can't wait to talk to you next week.
1: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Bye.